Welcome to Business Buzz. This is Her Little John CPA. I'm glad you're here on this lovely Chico afternoon. The fall is here, summer's over, and it sure is a nice, another nice day. Pretty happy about that. We have the election, big election day coming up. That's uh, about a week away from now, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that all goes. I was thinking about the fact that they don't announce any results until after polls close. So next Tuesday, I won't be able to have any actual results by this time of day, but it'll be interesting. I interviewed John Cox a few months back, but I didn't hear back from him, so I wasn't able to do a follow-up. What I have noticed is that I don't see that many signs for Cox, but I don't see any for Newsom either. Maybe Newsom figures it's in the bag and he doesn't need to advertise. I'm not sure. Maybe if I was in the Bay Area, it'd be a different situation as far as what I'm seeing on billboards and things like that. But to me, the governor's race is sort of a non-issue up here. I don't really see hardly any signs or or anything for, for either candidate. But I don't follow it that closely. I, I was super busy with my final tax season ended October 15th, so that was huge. And that finally ended. So I haven't been able to do a lot of side research, side work, anything like that, just due to the fact that I've been so busy. But now that October's winding down, things are definitely getting better. Today, I wanted to just sort of talk about some of the usual things. I've got... I just don't really... I've got some interesting articles here, and I wanted to share with you one about the Bank of Canada, and uh, and the, the headline on this story is, Inside the Bank of Canada, Armed Guards Everywhere But No Gold. And uh, what it is is Canada, which is their whole, a lot of their economy is based on natural resources, and they are a large gold producer. And what's interesting is Canada... I believe, has divested itself of his actual physical gold holdings as far as a nation. If they still have some, I don't think it's that much. And so I just wanted to read part of this article about the Bank of Canada because I think it's pretty interesting. It just mentions uh, things like um, a smiling governor, Stephen Polos, defended the central bank's 20... Oh, they raised their rates. That's it. The 25-point basis point rate hike with assessments about about the economy, risks to the system, and paths forward. The presentation was filled with impressive terminology like stimulative monetary policy, coupled with sophisticated references to three types of interest rates and five types of inflation. Ordinary Canadians understood none of this. The Bank of Canada has for decades managed to effectively camouflage its incentivization of massive financial debt and spending bubbles, which have left the country tottering on the brink of ruin. Following are key things that the central bank's clever media strategy is hiding. And then he starts off saying clueless about monetary policy. Says an even fur- funnier fact is that because universities teach little about economic history, few Canadians, even the Bank of Canada's PhDs, know why it exists. Many can recite rote definitions of its functions. These range from ensuring financial stability to targeting inflation and balancing that with economic growth. However, all of that stuff is incidental. The Bank of Canada and its related institutions exist for one reason, to print money which they then distribute to favored interest groups groups, and obscure how this process impoverishes ordinary Canadians. As John Maynard Keynes famously noted, not one man in a million understands how central banks rob people's money. The Bank of Canada's job is to make sure this stays that way. Richard Fisher, the former head of the Dallas Fed, now that's the U.S. central bank, has likened loose central bank policy to giving the economy cocaine and heroin. Cheap money provides a short-term boost, but it requires ever-larger doses to keep it afloat. However, the Bank of Canada's governing council's cocaine cowboys make the U.S. Federal Reserve look like rank amateurs. According to Statistics Canada data, the central bank's loose interest rates have hooked Canadians on a debt growth path which has doubled personal business and government liabilities since the financial crisis to $6.1 trillion dollars 
as of June 2018. Even a cursory look suggests that the Bank of Canada's model is a Ponzi scheme. In fact, stabilizing debt levels would be impossible without collapsing the system. The Bank of Canada's worst failure has been its complicity with the Liberal government in selling off Canada's emergency gold reserves. This during a time when Russia, China, and other key world central banks have been stocking up and repatriating their own gold stocks in order to prepare for the worst. Bank of Canada officials point to Canada's finance minister as bearing responsibility for ordering the gold sales. However, until they speak out on this issue, they remain complicit. Warren Buffett once said that it's only when the tide flows out that you find out who is swimming naked. Right now, Canada needs a bathing suit. So uh, that's by a guy named Peter Dykmeyer from Sprott Money News. Sprott's a big Canadian uh, mining and precious metals type company. And I found that article on my favorite news website called ZeroHedge.com. I encourage you to go there daily like I do and find out a lot more about what's really going on. It was a uh, interesting to see that uh, I remember reading that Canada had sort of divested itself of its physical gold holdings, and that's kind of crazy for a country that actually mines a lot of gold. So I thought I would share that one. That was that was pretty pretty eye-opening. And of course, there's bubbles in Canada. I know they have a real estate bubble that's going going all out. I'm not sure if it's popping yet, but uh, they've inflated prices of homes. I know Toronto is a huge city with huge bubble-type real estate prices, and I don't think it's going to end too well on all that, but that's just my opinion. I wanted to bring you a quote. I've got a quote about taxes. That person mentioned in the last article, John Maynard Keynes, who's a very famous economist, he's got a good quote. It says, The avoidance of taxes is the only intellectual pursuit that still carries any reward. That's interesting. So when you think about it, you can work and slave and figure out strategies for your business to make more money. And, of course, being on Business Buzz, we're trying to talk local business and things to help you. If you're struggling, let's let's just say you gross 100000 and you net 50000 in your business. I'm just throwing out some numbers. How much work would it take, say, to gross an extra 10000 a year and net an extra 5000 a year? How much extra money, time, advertising, promotion, whatever you do to get new business? How much effort would that take? But what if you could expend less effort than that and find a way to reduce your total tax burden by 5000 Wouldn't that be the same end result? In other words, if you net 50 and you pay 10 in tax, you're keeping 40 If you could find a way to still net 50 but only pay 5 in tax, you would be keeping 45 That might be an easier route for you to get ahead. And so that's what this Keynes guy is saying. It's like uh, the avoidance of taxes uh, carries a reward more than other intellectual pursuits. So one of the things any business person, actually anybody, period, but any business person especially, one of the first things to do before expending tons of time and money with advertising and campaigns and promotion and new phone book ads, new Facebook ads, whatever you're spending money on, What about making certain that you're reducing your taxes to the most so that you can avoid all the extra hours of slaving over how to promote to get that new 10,000 in gross income, which wouldn't be a bad idea to do anyway, but how much time and effort? It's like the rate of return on your hours. There could be, if you've never really done an analysis before or you've never really sat down with a tax professional, there could be a way for you to leverage your time better and pick up a few thousand dollars extra just in pure tax savings, which could be available, especially with the new tax law of 2018. I've said before, there's lots of good tax professionals in Chico. I consider myself one of them. You might be wise to at least sit down and talk to a tax professional and make certain that the taxes you're paying are the lowest legal the lowest legal tax amount that you're required to pay. That's 
That's what we shoot for. One of the interesting topics over the last year or so that's been in the news has been the news itself. This whole talk about fake news, real news, who's a journalist. Personally, I listen to quite a bit of things on YouTube. And to be honest, if I compare the journalism quality of some of the amateurs that I see doing podcasts on YouTube, on sometimes on a daily basis, if I were to be asked, and I have taken a couple journalism classes, I, I'm not a journalism major, I've never been a reporter, but I have taken classes, I've learned something about writing. If I had to, if I had to give a 1 through 10 analysis of the journalistic quality of a lot of these YouTuber types that I listen to versus the guys that I see as the talking heads on national television. To be honest, I would give some of these YouTuber guys about a nine and I would give most of the talking heads I see on television about a four. And that's just my personal opinion. But I think journalistically, I don't think there's a lot of digging going on in the mainstream media. That leads me to this next article, which I wanted to talk about the business, the business of news. And this really isn't a big in-depth article, but it's something that if you don't know this, I think it should be something you do know. I think it's something you should learn. And the title of this article, which actually is already five or six years old, it's from uh, 2012. It's from the Business Insider. And the title of this article is... These six corporations control 90% of the media in America. Now, the interesting thing about this is that in 1983, there were 50 companies that controlled 90% of the American media. This article mentions in 2011, six companies control 90% of the mainstream media. That's pretty shocking. The shocking thing about that, and I'll have to do some more research, I didn't delve that deeply into this yet, I would imagine that these six companies may have what they call interlocking boards, where you might have the board of directors of two, three, or more of these companies having the same people. And one of the other infographics in this article, and the author is Ashley Lutz, L-U-T-Z. One of the other interesting you know, in, uh, infographics on this is 232 media executives control the information diet of 277 million Americans. That's one media exec for 850,000 subscribers. The total 2010 revenue for the big six was $275 billion. The big six control 70% of your cable. And, wow, 3,700 businesses contribute 30, 30, the other 30%. So the big six control 70% of the cable on TV. 3,700 other companies uh, control the bottom, the other 30%. Hmm. That's kind of crazy. What I'm trying to point out is that if you have six companies that likely have interlocking directorships, you're dealing with a very small handful of people controlling 90% of the media. Now, I'm coming up on that first break today. Give that a thought. And the next time you listen to the news, think about who it's coming from and why it's coming to you in the package that it's coming. I always thought of it this way. If you have your largest advertiser of your local newspaper as the local car dealerships, maybe two or three of them contribute 60% of the ads, and all of a sudden there's recalls of cars, do you really think the local newspaper is going to hire a real good independent journalist to delve into the problem with these car recalls? Or do you think they might gloss over it a little bit? That's sort of 
my point whenever we get into this situation of media, advertisers, and who runs and who puts out what news that we hear. I'm always, I'm always on the side of the little guy on this kind of thing, and I just think you should be too. Anytime you're dealing with any kind of news that generates its money from ad revenue, you've got to be a little bit careful. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. B&B Maintenance reminds you that October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Each year, many women fall victim to this silent predator, but if detected, early steps can be taken toward the prevention and treatment of this disease. So schedule your mammogram today. That message courtesy of B&B Maintenance, your complete general contractor with a reputation for quality work and prices you can afford. For all your general contracting needs, call Brian at 530-518-4593 and join the many satisfied customers being served by B&B Maintenance and Chico. They're on the air because they care. Mark it down. When you truly praise the Lord, you always see his preeminence. There's no one like him. Don't bring him down to human level. Don't make out like he's one among many who could have done something. No, only the Lord can do what he does. David Hockey shares why God and God alone is worthy of our worship and praise this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Praise the Lord. I'm Sharon Knotts inviting you to join me and my dad, R.G. Hardy, on The Sound of Faith, mornings at 10, here on KKXX. If you are drawn to inspirational preaching, informative, in-depth teaching, and biblical perspectives to current issues under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then Sound of Faith is perfect for you, because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 10 o'clock weekday mornings here on KKXX, Chico's Christian Radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, and if you hear David Bowie on the radio in Chico, you're probably either listening to Classic Rock or KKXX Business Buzz. Glad you're here. Glad you have a little time to spend with me. I brought another interesting article, and it has to do with the same theme that I was talking about, that Bank of Canada article, because the Western Central Bank's are foolishly selling all their gold. Why are they selling their gold? Well, the only way they can keep the price of gold low, which is what they absolutely have to do, is by having enough physical gold to sell in the market to make it look like there's lots of physical gold, and which there really isn't. So this next article, it's a shorty, it's written by Egon von Greyers, who's a money manager from Switzerland. I do read quite a, his, quite a bit of his articles. And the interesting thing about this article, it came out on October 27th, which is just a few days ago. And he met with a large group of individuals from China that manage money for the elite in China. So I want to fill you in on this. Egon von Greyers met with a large group of individuals from China that manage money for the elite in China. They went to Switzerland to meet with Egon, and this is a small portion of what they discussed. And so the interviewer says, Egon, they, the money managers, have virtually all of the high net worth clients into physical gold. And Egon replies, the Chinese know what is happening. They're all into gold. Absolutely. Yes, virtually all of them own gold. That's what's so interesting. The Chinese buying is continuously going up and up and up without stopping. The Chinese know what is happening. They know it, and they will continue to buy gold. And one day that's going to have a major influence on the gold price. And when the paper market breaks and China dominates the gold market, it's going to be very interesting because I really look forward to the West failing in their manipulation of the gold price through the various paper markets and through the inner bank market. Again, last month, we saw imports of gold into Switzerland and then exports to Asia and India. Last month, over 70% of the gold import figures into Switzerland 
came from London and the United States. We again see that Switzerland is buying the 400-ounce bars from the UK and the US bullion banks and converting them into one-kilo bars and then shipping them on to Asia. Last month, there was hardly any buying from the mines. It all came out of London and New York. And that proves again that central banks are either leasing their physical gold into the market or selling it covertly. And that gold that's coming into the market in London and New York, before it used to stay in London and stay in New York, and it would be traded between the various banks, these banks now get the gold from the central banks and then they give the central bank an IOU. Again, in normal times, the gold used to stay in London and New York. Now that gold is going via Switzerland to China and India, it will never come back. China is never going to send it back, nor is India. So what's going to happen? All they have, these central banks who have probably leased most of their gold, all they have is an IOU from a bullion bank, and that bullion bank is never going to get the physical gold back. That's another massive shortage that's created an enormous imbalance in the gold market, and when the whole thing blows up, it's going to put enormous upward pressure on the gold price. So that's that's a... That would be straight from the horse's mouth. That man who wrote that is actually a guy in Switzerland who the big money managers from China come and talk with. And he just reported that every billionaire in China is buying as much physical gold as they can get their hands on, basically. And so that's why I always recommend that you diversify a little bit and put at least part of your, part of your savings and part of your wealth into a percentage of uh, physical precious metal, this paper money that we're using is not going to last too long. I've told you many times about Venezuela's paper money. It's still going down, down. There's paper money all over the world that's going down, and that's just one of the, one of the reasons why you need to keep yourself safe and put at least part of your portfolio into physical gold and physical silver. That's just my recommendation, not financial advice. This is for entertainment purposes. I'm not a financial planner. You need to do your own due diligence. You need to research and figure out whether you agree with me or not. Don't take my word for it. Do some studying, do some reading. That's the thing about the internet. In 10 minutes, you can learn as much as it took, you know, a couple trips to the library in the old days. And if you didn't have a large library, you really couldn't even find a lot of the information you would have needed. It's very important that you take advantage of this information age we're in and study and do your own due diligence and learn about your own money. Don't let them steal your money. This big stock market bubble is just a, it's just called a wealth transfer. That's all it is. They're just building it up. Your money's going in it. And when they sell at the top and you don't, it's called a wealth transfer, and that's exactly what's going on right now. Not financial advice, and you need to do your own due diligence. Now, I've got another article from the same date. It's October 26th. It's by the same author called Egon von Greyers. His website is called goldswitzerland.com. This article is called The Bull is Dying. Now, does everybody understand that a bull means the market's going up? That's a bull market, like the stock market is in a bull market. When it goes down, it's a bear market. So this article starts off saying, Bulls are not killed off easily. They are strong, fierce, and have real staying power. And this is what should be expected at a top of a secular bull market. Injured or weakened, the bull will still go on, which is the case with many stock markets. While some markets have peaked globally, others show strength. A week ago, markets were ruffled by major falls. Was that the signal for the end of a multi-decade bull, or was it just another brief correction before the bull breaks out to much higher levels? With a further fall this week, the Dow is now down 2,000 points in October, which certainly confirms that the bull is seriously injured, maybe fatally. The next... Subheading is called Print Money to Buy Votes. Let's first make it clear that the world economy and global stock markets are at the end of the biggest bubble in history, a bubble fueled by unprecedented stimulus from central banks and governments to prevent the financial system from imploding. As many of us know, credit expansion is the most effective and inexpensive method to buy votes. 
and it is the only way to artificially keep the economy going when governments run out of money. So bubbles can expand a lot more than seems possible. Many markets, like the Chinese one, which is down 27%, has, have topped. Others, like U.S. indexes, finally look like they have reached the end of the road. Sound investment markets function efficiently based on scarcity of capital. But when capital is endless and can be created at will by a printing press or an electronic entry on a computer, markets are no longer sound nor efficient. And this is where we are today. There is nothing sound about markets or the economy today. Government and central bank manipulation combined with algorithmic trading is as far from sound markets as you can get. But this is the sick system that dominates markets today. No ordinary investor can compete against algorithms-based systems backed by unlimited amounts of capital. Let's look at the definition of algos. In Greek, it means pain, and that is certainly what it afflicts to normal investors who stand no chance against this rigged system. If we look at Corporate Finance Institute definition of algos, it confirms that normal investors are totally disadvantaged. Quote, Algorithms are introduced to automate trading to generate profits at a frequency impossible to a human trader. Other variations of algorithmic trading include automated trading and black box trading. Algorithmic trading rules out the human emotional impact on trading activities. So algos mean a system that will always beat a human trader and that will inflict pain. What a painful disadvantage to us normal mortals. With the odds stacked against any trader without access to massive computer power and even greater capital, it is easy to understand why many investment banks never have a loss month and often not even a loss day. Now, I'm coming up on that bottom of the hour break, but I'm going to continue with this article. Could we have a melt-up first? It says, as I have expressed in recent articles, my preferred scenario is that stock markets have now topped and are starting a major secular bear market. As always, there is an alternative scenario, which I have mentioned before. Bulls don't die easily, as we saw with the NASDAQ in February 1999. We'll come back to that February 1999 in a minute. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope, heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. Hello, I'm Gary Crossland. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. Everything in the epistles points backward to Jesus. That's why I encourage people to read the words of Jesus every day. This is where emotional and spiritual health come from. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, where do you read his commandments? But in the Gospels. Now, I know that it's easy to get a little confused when jumping between one Gospel and the next, which is why I wrote the Merged Gospels. It's where all four Gospels are literally translated from the Greek, broken down word by word, and merged back together into one beautiful chronological story with not one word of scripture removed. You can't buy it in stores. It's available only online at mergedgospels.com. It's great for new believers, for personal devotions, and for group studies. There's also an audiobook. And as always, you get to name the price. Just go to mergedgospels.com. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out-salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your busy afternoon with me. It's another lovely Chico day. Hopefully the drought will end and we'll start getting some rain, but for now it's a beautiful day. So we were talking about the fact that bull markets don't die easily, so I'm going to pick up where we left off. Bulls don't die easily, as we saw with the NASDAQ in February 1999. Remember, the NASDAQ is the tech, technology-related stock exchange. In February 99, when it had gone up seven times since 1990 and seemed massively overextended, that was the time when every single amateur investor, whether they were housewives or gas station attendants, were all proclaimed tech stock experts. Even in January 1999, with the massive rise of the market for nine years, the bull wasn't giving up easily. In the ensuing 13 months, the NASDAQ more than doubled before crashing by 79%. So the melt-up scenario of Steve Shugerud of Stansbury Research is certainly a possibility. Steve has a great track record, and he is convinced that for the next 6 to 12 months, we will see a massive final move up in markets, which, when it ends, will lead to an even bigger crash. As usual, we then have, on the one hand and on the other hand, as Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof contemplated. What is clear is that both scenarios will end in disaster. The only question is if the inevitable collapse will happen in 6 to 12 months' time or much sooner. The risk-averse and wealth preservationist gets out now, holds gold and silver, and doesn't worry if the market goes up further. He knows he is protected against the coming disaster whenever it comes. The perma-bull will stay invested even when the market has gone down by 50%, but will start getting itchy when the market is down 75%. Most long-term investors will stay invested even if the market goes down by 90%, which is very likely in my view. And remember, I'm reading from Egon von Greyers. These aren't my words. I agree with him, but they aren't my words. The next little subtopic in this article says, Banks won't survive without bail-ins. And if you remember, I've been telling you guys about bail-ins for months on, on Business Buzz. I'm going to continue. Personally, I prefer not to be exposed to the general stock market except for maybe a small position in precious metal stocks. The really costless should not be exposed to the fragile financial system either. Banks are unlikely to survive in their present form. They might be saved by massive bail-ins, which means client assets will be confiscated. Also, due to the coming unlimited money printing and debasement of currencies, any money you have in the banking system will become worthless. You will sleep much better and protect your assets by owning physical precious metals, than riding a fi final potential stock market move up. Also, even if the stock market does move up, gold now seems to have finally ended the correction since 2011 and is on, is on its way to new highs and well beyond. Next section says gold in yuan is showing the way. Now, the yuan is the Chinese denomination of their currency. And I want to point out here, you have to remember that if you look at the price of gold only in U.S. dollars, you're not looking at the price of gold around the world. So what he's talking about is gold in yuan. Gold has just had an interesting and also significant confirmation of the bull market resuming. Gold in Chinese yuan has traded in a triangle for two years. Some believe that the Chinese have deliberately held down the gold price. Whether that is the case or the tight range is just a coincidence, we don't know. But what we do know is that gold in yuan has broken out of this two-year triangle in the last 12 days. This is a very important technical signal and is the likely confirmation that the 19-year-old uptrend in gold in all currencies has now resumed. Another strong technical signal is that the Dow versus gold ratio is down 8% in the last two weeks. If this breakdown is confirmed in the next few weeks, we should see the ratio first return to the 6 level where it was in 2011 and eventually below the 1 to 1 level in 1980. This means that 1 ounce of gold will buy 1 Dow unit. Today, 20 ounces are needed. I'm going to take a little break here and I want to explain what he's talking about. You can look at this 
article on goldswitzerland.com called The Bull is Dying, and it's got these charts right in the article. I'm looking at a printout of it. If you take the Dow Industrial Average, which right now is around 24000 and you take the price of an ounce of gold, which is right now around 1200 that's what he means by 20 to 1. In other words, it takes 20 ounces of the gold price to buy one unit of the Dow, which is 24000 But historically, that ratio was 1 to 1 in 1980. When gold was at 800 and so, so was the Dow. What he's saying is the Dow is going to go down, gold's going to go up, and at some point they're going to at least meet, and they're going to be one for one. I'll continue. What the chart clearly shows us is that the Dow has greatly underperformed gold since 1999. In spite of a major rally in stocks since 2009, the Dow is still down 53% against gold this century. So whether we get new highs in the stock market or not, gold and silver are likely to outperform stocks from now on. In the coming years of wealth destruction, there is no better insurance against the massive systemic global risks we are facing. I am not in favor of a new gold standard, but would prefer free gold. Otherwise, I agree with what Alan Greenspan said in 1966, well before he became chairman of the Fed. Quote, and this is Alan Greenspan speaking. In the absence of the gold standard, there is no way to protect savings from confiscation through inflation. There is no safe store of value. Deficit spending is simply a scheme for the confiscation of wealth. Gold stands in the way of this insidious process. It stands as the protector of property rights. If one grasps this, one has no difficulty in understanding the statist antagonism toward the gold standard. A free society needs the rule of gold. And that came from the guy who was chairman of the Federal Reserve later, and that's what he really felt back in the 1960s. If you can't trust the words of a guy like that prior to when he was in the spotlight and running the Fed and raising interest rates and all that, it, it's pretty, it's pretty, that's a pretty powerful statement. All I can tell you is I'm harping on this, and I don't want to beat a dead horse much further, but you need to protect your money because your money is denominated in paper, and now it's not even paper. It's just digital dollars in a computer somewhere. I've read you many articles over the past few weeks that even goes to show that you probably don't even really own your own stocks. Someone else owns them, and they promise to deliver them to you when you ask. There's lots, of, there's lots of parties in between you and, and your money. I've called this before counterparty risk. Physical gold in your hand does not have counterparty risk. Everything else you own pretty much does. The house you own, if you have a mortgage, has some counterparty risk due to the mortgage. Even if you don't have a mortgage, you have some counterparty risk due to the fact that property taxes, whatever they may be, are required to be paid or else you can lose your house. There is nothing you own that you, the things that you think you own, you've got to be careful with. You have counterparty risk. Every contract, every insurance contract, if you own annuities, you have a company on the other side. If you have a bank account, you've lent the money to the bank and you hope they'll give it back to you when you ask for it. Everything you think you own actually has what's called counterparty risk and you need to reduce the percentage of the things you own that have counterparty risk. If, every, if 100% of everything you own has counterparty risk, if you were to put 10% of your net worth into gold, and this is not financial advice, if you were to put 10% of your net worth into gold, you would now only have 90% counterparty risk, as long as you have a safe place to keep the gold. And it's not that difficult to store gold uh, in a safe fashion. That will be my afternoon's tirade regarding things to protect you. I'm always here looking out for your best interest. I really want you to get some alternative news going in your life. I don't want you to be somebody who watches Fox and CNN and CNBC all day and thinks that you've got the answer or the true news because I don't think you do. So I want you to learn how to look up alternative news, go to places like Zero Hedge, you could try rents, R-E-N-S-E dot com. Uh, it's just a 
giant website that links tons of news articles. That's all it really does. You just click on news articles from around the world. It's very interesting to look at rents.com. What I've noticed is that the news articles out of the even the UK, which is a definitely a Western society, are many times better than the U.S. news articles, even about U.S. news. If you want to see something about the U.S. economy, you're going to probably find out more by reading the Daily Mail or the, what's the other one, the Independent in the U.K. They have better articles than most of the U.S. articles have. I was talking to my son the other day, and he was watching a movie called The Post, and uh, I believe it's about Catherine Graham, the one who inherited the Washington Post. I, I don't know the history that well. I believe Meryl Streep plays somebody. I believe Tom Hanks plays some editor. I'm sure it might have been an entertaining movie, but I wouldn't believe a word that movie says because I don't think you can believe a word the Washington Post says. And that's just my personal opinion. You need to do your own due diligence. You need to make up your mind whether I'm telling the truth or not, whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, whether my research is good or not. Why don't you check it out and report back to me whether it was good or not? I'd be very happy to know that you've done some of your own research. I think it's very important to do that. We're coming up on that final break of the hour. I'm only going to have one more segment left with you today. I'm sure you you may be out and about very busy with all of the things you have to do in the afternoon. I know this is also school time and the whole bit, so I'm sure you're busy, but I want to say that I do appreciate the fact that you can spend a little bit of time listening to Business Buzz. It's every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on KKXX. I'll be right back after this break. We're going to lighten the load a little bit. We're going to make you feel good. We're going to open up your mind a little bit today. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. No carnivory before sin. This is Ken Ham, founder of the Apologetics and Creationist Ministry of Answers in Genesis. Now, the Bible tells us that all the animals in mankind were originally created vegetarian. There wasn't any death, including animal death, before sin. It was God's very good creation. But we find fossils of animals eating other animals. Here at the Creation Museum, we have a fossilized fish that's halfway through eating another fish. Now, some Christians believe the fossil record is millions of years old. But if that's the case, animals were eating each other before sin. But the Bible tells us they were originally created vegetarian. When we try to squeeze man's ideas into the Bible, we make God a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Subscribe to receive Ken Ham's free daily insights delivered to your inbox by visiting AnswersRadio.com. You'll be equipped and encouraged when you go to AnswersRadio.com. The only radio station I listen to, I really don't have any desire to listen to anything else. Keeps my thoughts on good things, especially with all the garbage that's out there in the world. The positive attitude that it has. Face it, a lot of things are vying for your time, your mind, and your heart. But we as a radio station have a major role in keeping people's minds focused on the important, eternal things. That's why more people listen than ever, and why more people like you are giving to the station. And for that, we want to say thanks. It's really spiritually filled me when I needed it. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you're here with me today. I'm looking forward to my favorite part of the show, which is when I get to read part of my favorite book. And hopefully we'll lighten the load with all this talk about collapsing currencies and banks taking your money and not giving it back to you or giving you back money that's worth a lot less than it was when you put it in. How's that? That's really the thing. Think about this. Let's say right now you've got, you know, let's just say you've got $30,000 of savings in the bank and you think about that and it's like, I spent a lot of time trying to save that much money and now I've got 30000 in the bank. 
Think about what that would have meant to, say, your parents 50 years ago. Think about what 30000 in the bank would have been worth when a house, I know my parents' first house cost them $9,000. I believe it was in the mid-50s. It was before I was born. So 30000 in the bank for our parents' generation when they were young would be worth three average houses. What's 30000 in the bank now worth in relation to a house? I'll do some quick math, about one-tenth of one house, maybe worth one room. If you have a $300,000 house, you're buying one-tenth of it for $30,000. That's a down payment on a house, maybe, with a big mortgage, but it ain't no house, and it ain't three houses. That's where you got to realize that if you leave that $30,000, and this is not financial advice, you need to do your own due diligence and talk to your own financial advisors, if you've got 30000 in the bank and you live another 10 or 20 years, what's that 30000 going to buy you when houses are 600000 instead of 300000 Now you're down to a half a room. Now, now you're down to a bathroom in a house instead of a bigger room. My point is money depreciates and they are stealing it from you every day. They're not even paying you interest. You're leaving that 30000 in the bank. They might not even give it back to you. They don't have to uh, if they go bust. And they're not even paying you interest to hold it there. Well, they might now they might be paying you 1%. Big deal. That's 25 bucks a month. It's a complete scam. It's a complete game. And they're stealing your money slowly but surely. Do your own due diligence. Tell me I'm wrong. Do, do your own research and tell me I'm wrong. I'm like that Eagles, there's an Eagles song that says, I could be wrong, but I'm not. So that's just my opinion. Not financial advice. I'm here for entertainment purposes. I'm going to read a bit from my favorite book called A Course in Miracles, and I'll give you a quick review. The basic thesis of The Course in Miracles is, and I try to boil this down because it's like a 1,300-page book, but it's not really that complicated. And I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. Ten years and I'm still learning. The basic thesis is you have two minds. One is the right mind. That's the one that stands back and watches your thoughts go by. And the other mind is the one that you use all day long and you let it run your life. It tells you things, usually negative things, repetitive things, Sometimes cruel things, mean things. It's not necessarily a friendly voice that you listen to all day. The Course in Miracles basis is that if you step back and start observing the thoughts instead of letting the thoughts be your mind, you have stepped back into that higher mind and that's where you want to be. So that is my quick overview of The Course in Miracles. Now, I've been reading you some of this book a little bit for for quite a few months now, and I still find it fascinating. And what really I like about it the most is it helps me. If I'm having a stressful day and I feel like I'm getting beat up by everybody who calls me or the IRS is being nasty to one of my clients or you know how that stuff goes at your work day. You just never know what's coming next, right? This is the type of thing that you might find can help you. And this is why the business buzz can help you. No matter what you're doing work-wise, business-wise, regarding other people, relationships, I'm encouraging you to at least, at least listen to some of this Course in Miracles ideas and see if it doesn't help you uh, when you have those stressful points of your day. It helps me a lot, and that's why I, I like it, and that's why I like to share it. With that as your basic overview of the course, I'm going to read from the workbook, which is 365 lessons. And I'm going to read from lesson 51, which is a review of the earlier lessons. So every 40 or 50 lessons, you do a couple of lessons that are review lessons. And I'm going to read this lesson review because it's really good. It gives a real succinct little summary of some of the main lessons in the course workbook that were at the beginning. I'm reading from the workbook Lesson 51. 1. Nothing I see means anything. 
The reason this is so is that I see nothing and nothing has no meaning. It is necessary that I recognize this, that I may learn to see. What I think I see now is taking the place of vision. I must let it go by realizing it has no meaning so that vision may take its place. Number two, I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I have judged everything I look upon, and it is this and only this I see. This is not vision. It is merely an illusion of reality, because my judgments have been made quite apart from reality. I am willing to recognize the lack of validity in my judgments, because I want to see. My judgments have hurt me, and I do not want to see according to them. I'm going to interject here before I go on to the, the summary of number three. The thought that we see nothing, you have to remember that there's le- it's called level confusion. The level we're on, the level that we think we're here with and on, that we see all kinds of things. I look around here, I see uh, microphones, I see books, I see my coffee cup, I see uh, all kinds of stuff. I see buttons and lights. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is if you get up on that next level up, that's where you want to be because you're going to watch those thoughts. You're going to look. You're going to observe with the Holy Spirit, however you want to visualize the Holy Spirit. It might be a, a bodily form. It might be a however you want to visualize the, the Spirit inside you. What you want to do is you want to be observing your observation of your world as if you're sitting in a theater watching it with someone because you're not, you, you got to get, you got to move above this level to understand that nothing is here. None of this means anything. I'm going to move on to number three. I do not understand anything I see. How could I understand what I see when I have judged it amiss? What I see is the projection of my own errors of thought. I do not understand what I see because it is not understandable. There is no sense in trying to understand it. But there is every reason to let it go and make room for what can be seen and understood and loved. I can exchange what I see now for this merely by being willing to do so. Is not this a better choice than the one I made before? I'll interject here that the very end of the text of this course says, Choose once again. In other words, every time you look at something, choose again to look at it from a different level. Choose to observe it instead of being brought into it. Choose to be above it. Choose to be above it instead of to be mixed up directly in it. That's what that's saying. Number four, these thoughts do not mean anything. The thoughts of which I am aware do not mean anything because I am trying to think without God. What I call my thoughts are not my real thoughts. My real thoughts are the thoughts I think with God. I am not aware of them because I have made my thoughts to take their place. I am willing to recognize that my thoughts do not mean anything and to let them go. I choose to have them be replaced by what they were intended to replace. My thoughts are meaningless, but all creation lies in the thoughts I think with God. Number five. I am never upset for the reason I think. I am never upset for the reason I think because I am constantly trying to justify my thoughts. I am constantly trying to make them true. I make all things my enemies so that my anger is justified and my attacks are warranted. I have not realized how much I have misused everything I see by assigning this role to it. I have done this to defend a thought system that has hurt me and that I no longer want. I am willing to let it go. These are all on the same topic, basically. I'm not going to explain each one. I, I set it up at the start. They all make sense when you think about the two levels. Lesson 52. Reviewing number lessons, lesson number six. I am upset because I see what is not there. Reality is never frightening. It is impossible that it could upset me. Reality brings only perfect peace. When I am upset, it is always because I've replaced reality with illusions I made up. The illusions are upsetting because I have given them reality and thus regard reality as an illusion. 
Nothing in God's creation is affected in any way by this confusion of mine. I am always upset by nothing. Number seven, I see only the past. As I look about, I condemn the world I look upon. I call this seeing. I hold the past against everyone and everything, making them my enemies. When I have forgiven myself and remembered who I am, I will bless everyone and everything I see. There will be no past and therefore no enemies, and I will look with love on all that I failed to see before. Number eight, my mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see only my own thoughts and my mind is preoccupied with the past. What then can I see as it is? Let me remember that I look on the past to prevent the present from dawning on my mind. Let me understand that I am trying to use time against God. Let me learn to give the past away, realizing that in so doing I am giving up nothing. Number nine, I see nothing as it is now. If I see nothing as it is now, it can truly be said that I see nothing. I can see only what is now. The choice is not whether to see the past or the present. The choice is merely whether to see or not. What I have chosen to see has cost me vision. Now I would choose again that I may see. 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. I have no private thoughts, yet it is only private thoughts of which I am aware. What can these thoughts mean? They do not exist, and so they mean nothing. Yet my mind is part of creation and part of its creator. Would I not rather join the thinking of the universe than to obscure all that is really mine with my pitiful and meaningless private thoughts? Lesson 53 talks about Lesson 11. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Since the thoughts of which I am aware do not mean anything, the world that pictures them can have no meaning. What is producing this world is insane, and so is what it produces. Reality is not insane, and I have real thoughts as well as insane ones. I can therefore see a real world if I look to my real thoughts as my guide for seeing. Number 12. I am upset because I see a meaningless world. Insane thoughts are upsetting. They produce a world in which there is no order anywhere. Only chaos rules a world that represents chaotic thinking and chaos has no laws. I cannot live in peace in such a world. I am grateful that this world is not real and that I need not see it at all unless I choose to value it. And I do not choose to value what is totally insane and has no meaning. 13. A meaningless world engenders fear. This is the last one I'm going to have time for today. The totally insane engenders fear because it is completely undependable and offers no grounds for trust. Nothing in madness is dependable. It holds out no safety and no hope. But such a world is not real. I have given it the illusion of reality and have suffered from my belief in it. Now I choose to withdraw this belief and place my trust in reality. In choosing this, I will escape all the effects of the world of fear because I am acknowledging that it does not exist. So that was number 13, and I'm going to have to end there because I'm running out of time on Business Buzz. Nice to see you today. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I'll be back next Tuesday on Election Day. Let's see what that brings. Have a great week. Take care. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX Paradise K280GL Chico and K283AR News this hour from townhall.com I'm Keith Peters 
President Trump says he'll demand that asylum seekers go to ports of entry in order to make a claim to enter the United States. The president says illegal immigrants are making a mockery of America's asylum system, and he's going to change it. My administration is finalizing a plan to end the rampant abuse of our asylum system. It's abused. His promised order would ban migrants from claiming asylum if they cross the border illegally and would set up vast tent cities that would hold anyone coming over the border. Greg Clugston, the White House. The government says the number of homeless veterans has decreased across the United States, but the problem hasn't been solved yet. There's been a drop of more than 5% in the number of veterans who are homeless after the number ticked up a little bit last year. It's now estimated there are 38,000 homeless vets, about half as many as in the year 2010. A federal program that provides housing along with a case manager appears to be helping. About three states have virtually eliminated the problem, Connecticut, Delaware, and Virginia 